Hello, my buds, my pals, my friends, new friends, old friends. We are back. We are back. That is right. We were on a bit of a hiatus for a while just due to some time constraints on my end and some personal uh, issues just trying to, you know, figure out my schedule and time. But we are back. We are back, though, with a new uh, uh, podcast schedule. So basically, the podcast will be coming out every two weeks now, bi-weekly. You will get a brand new episode in your podcast inbox from me. Um, And that's just for the next little while. Who knows how long? It's just um, I wanted to be more consistent, and I felt the way that I was able to do that was uh, by bringing you episodes every two weeks as opposed to every week because sometimes... Life, you just don't know what's coming, you know? So uh, here we are. I I hope you'll still tune in and listen because I love doing this podcast. I love uh, the listeners. I love people uh, who are are out there enjoying this uh, little, um, I don't know, it was a moment where I was like, I want to do a podcast. And here we are almost like legit a year later. I've almost been doing this for a year. So uh, I want to keep doing it. I want to keep interviewing cool folks. Uh, and speaking of cool folks, our guest today is incredible. They are a filmmaker, performer, uh, multidisciplinary artist, uh, and I'm so excited that we finally got to meet Howard J. Davis, a.k.a. Howie. They have a new incredible um, film coming out April 2nd uh, called Mixed Up. It is a beautiful, beautiful documentary uh, that he has created uh, about being mixed race uh, and also queerness. And I'm excited for people to be able to see it. It'll be available on Apple TV, uh, uh, Prime, as well as Out TV. So make sure you tune in and rent it or or get a subscription to Out TV so you can watch it because it is truly amazing. And we're going to get to that interview in just a second. But I want to know how is everyone doing What's new in your lives? It's been a while. Uh, what's new in my life? I've gotten really into video games. I've been playing Red Dead Redemption 2 on um, PlayStation. It has been the best thing. It's so relaxing. I ride a horse around, rob people, protect my family, which is like a gang of misfits. We're not really blood related, but you know we're family. Uh, and it's like the time, it's like Old West meets the New World and... They're fighting for everyone's freedom and they're helping people and they're, you know, basically robbing the rich and giving to the poor. It's, uh, I'm loving it. (laughs) I'm having the best time. (laughs) My favorite is like sometimes you go hunting or sometimes you go fishing just to, to help feed the gang. And that's relaxing. It's relaxing. Uh, uh, it makes me really want to get out into nature, and it also really makes me want to be a cowboy. Um, riding a horse in this video game makes me really want to ride a horse. Uh, uh, I never thought I'd become a horse person, but I think I am, and I don't know if the pandemic did that to me or if I always was. Like, I think I've always had a dream that I wanted to be the, the like queer version of Garth Brooks. We know my love for Garth Brooks on this podcast. We know... We, I've talked about it. I don't have to go into too much detail. Uh, he's, my, he's my man. Um, but I always wanted to have his career. Like, I want his career. I want to, like, play country music for thousands of people and entertain like he does, jumping on things and that energy. Like, I, I, I've never seen anyone have the same amount of energy as Garth Brooks. And I don't think he 
does cocaine or anything. I think he's pretty pure. Uh, so, <laughs> and with that, like, I just also bought Garth Brooks came out a while ago um, with a legacy vinyl. I just bought it. I could only find it on in the states on Amazon. Um, like the American Amazon. I don't like to buy from Amazon, but this it's coming from, it's not sold by Amazon. It's coming from another guy in Nashville. So I feel like it's real. Uh, and it's all Garth Brooks's albums. It's seven vinyls and it's got my favorite, um, fresh horses and new fences. Uh, and so I can't wait to listen to my favorite Garth Brooks songs on vinyl. I'm so excited. Uh, and like I've said before in the pod, I've gotten really into my um, really into my country music loving roots. But I find I'm not into pop like cult like the mainstream country. I've really discovered a lot of cool Canadian um, country artists. Like I said, um, Bobby Dove is a huge one that I'm into right now. Mariel Buckley, uh, De, uh, De Orge, the singing shaman who is both a musician and a shaman. She's a queer black artist who's got a really cool uh, uh, vibe to her and her song, her new album, New Kind of Outlawed. That song is like, fuck yeah. <laughs> like the country music needs a new kind of outlaw, needs like, you know, the people who created that music to kind of take it back and bring it back to its its roots the same with like willie jones is doing that he's incredible uh i love scott mckay too he's from pei he's just got a cool vibe um so i'm like <laughs> really into it uh i just purchased a subscription to this like uh, i think his name's taylor austin he does a, a magazine that he just created called honky tonk times and it's a magazine you can only get in print um so i'm getting that too from some from him in the states which is like super fun. I'm super into it. I love my new guitar. I play country music on it all the time. I'm in this, I'm in the market for a hat. I would love a cowboy hat, but like, like a musician's cowboy hat. So like a Stetson open road is what I'm looking for, but I can't really find it, but I really want a Smith built because it's Canadian. So uh, if you got ideas for hats, let me know. I'm in the market. And I think this podcast is slowly becoming a country music podcast, so I'm sorry. Uh, (laughs) The interview today, we don't talk at all about country music, so it's okay. Uh, But I will be talking about it. Uh, (laughs) Me and my my journey to becoming a true uh, queer cowboy. That's where we're at. Uh, I'm looking to become a queer cowboy. It's uh, it's begun. Uh, So get ready for that. (laughs) I've also like want to be, but like. Like queer cowboy meets like 70, 80s dad. That's I think that's my new vibe. I think it was always my vibe. I think it's just I've become more open to being okay with saying that that's my vibe. Uh, and I think it's always been there and it will always be there and that's okay with me. I'm okay with it. And I hope you are too and I hope you will accept me uh, and let me live in in the world of that, of country music meets 7080s dad. Uh, (laughs) But that's what I've been up to. Also got some cool projects in the works um, that hopefully maybe I can talk about eventually, but I can't right now, except uh, uh, for Pretty Hard Cases, which is on CBC Gem and CBC uh, every Wednesday night at 9 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Tune into that. I get to play a homicide detective with Miguel Rivas, and uh, <laughs> we're just the worst. 
it was such a fun show to film and is such a great show. So you should tune into that. And speaking of tuning in, let's get to where my interview with Howie because it was so lovely to meet him finally. So we're going to go to that now. Howie, everyone. Hello. Hello. It's so lovely to meet you finally. In, Me too. I guess, not necessarily in person, but uh, I at least get to see your face. <laughs> it's funny though. Like I feel as though Zoom, like you, we get the the torso down of the real yep. person. Yeah, or the torso never, up. <laughs> yeah, torso up. Yeah. I'm just showing you my bottom half right now. <laughs> <laughs> be so weird I, like yeah i guess you don't yeah when you meet people you're like i have no idea what the bottom half of you looks like yeah huh who knows what i'm wearing you don't know you don't know what i look like down there it's the same as like masks like when you're working with somebody i was working on a set um like at the beginning of the pandemic and a girl had a mask on and i was talking to her and then she took it off to eat and didn't look at all like i had visualized her all day like Were you at like all. Like, was I wasn't like, oh, I was, just, it wasn't a shock. I was just like, oh, you don't look like I thought you'd look like, like she didn't look bad or anything. It just yeah. was like, you know, you get in your brain. It's like such a weird thing to like visualize somebody's how the bottom half of your face can genuinely change what you look like. Right. That's so true. <laughs> it's so true. How are you? How are things? I'm good. I'm a little bit, um, you know, fatigued. Yep with this stuff and and it's just it's interesting right at the beginning of the pandemic this article came out in the um I think it was the telegraph in the UK mm -hmm. yes I still have a subscription Love to those it. newspapers <laughs> I still read newspapers people um but it was an article in there that talked about essential workers and mm -hmm. and the number one spot for non-essential workers was artists and it made me I felt gutted about it yeah. because I was like everyone in this pandemic is looking at an iPhone or an iPad that was designed by an artist and they're yep. looking at content that was created by an artist and you mm -hmm. really think that we're non-essential like yeah f you I know That's it's so true yeah, it is. It's it's ter it is terrible in the world how artists are put on the lowest pedestal yet everyone like feeds on our content, which is yes. insane to me. It was like in Toronto looking at um like who gets the vaccinations or whatever and on one day it was like phase two is anyone that can't work from home. So I was like, "Oh, awesome. Like I can't work from home. Like I'm I'm in the middle of like recording something that I have to go to work to every couple of weeks. So I was like, that must mean me. And then they changed it the next day and artists are nowhere to be found. <laughs> like it's, it's, I don't know. I'm like, what do you, like, how, how can we be so, uh, uh, like not thought of it's, yeah. it's kind of insane and I'm tired of it as well. And I mean, I'm, I think we all have, you know, COVID fatigue and yeah, we're all just kind of like, we're, not like I'm over it, but also I'm like, I understand we all have to still be safe. Like, that's fine. I just would love 
to have a little bit of normalcy, like something yeah. small, like anything at all that is just slightly normal. Like I went to Winners the other day and the whole time I was there, I was like, I should not be here, but <laughs> I need this for some reason. <laughs> Good old Winners. Good old Winners. You know, you can find a few things. You go in, you yeah. look around for a bit, you buy like a $3 item and you leave, you know? It's so funny. You're probably also <laughs> fatigued too because you've been doing so much work for your film that's coming out. Mixed yeah. Up. Yeah. It's mixed up. It was, it's crazy that it was a bit of a, I don't obviously also always planned to create it, mm -hmm. but the COVID sort of threw me into, you know, a, a, a really dedicated time to create it because mm -hmm. My work, I had my first season lined up at the Stratford Festival oh. um, where I was going. And I, you know, that was sort of a, a dream since yeah, of course. school. <laughs> and then that didn't happen. And I was like, oh, okay, I guess now's the time. And so I went into lockdown, as we all did, but I went yes. into lockdown, lock, lock, lockdown. lock everything to create yeah. this beast of a project that really is so I, I'm realizing the from the feedback I'm getting and the reception mm -hmm. it's it's very exposing to <laughs> share yourself of in course, that way it's incredibly vulnerable yeah and so I'm, I'm very grateful that it's resonated with so many people that have reached mm -hmm. out and um and I think you know it's it's so often I, I'm, I, I can only speak from like my practice as an artist today. Mm -hmm. I've sort of went w with the, there's always a question of who's your audience? Like yes. who are you doing this for? <laughs> and, um, and we get it in the granting bodies. They want to know who are you writing for? Yeah. And I think there was a pivot for me in this project of going, this is not for um, white people. This mm -hmm. is for mixed people. And, and you can be mixed within cultures, you know, like, mm -hmm. even if you are the palest person, like mm -hmm. I, I'm very pale right now. I need to go <laughs> in the sun. But, um, you know, like it, it's to be mixed is not, it's not uncommon anymore. No, of course Yet not. There's still all these stigmas around it. Mm -hmm. Like we saw it recently with that Meghan Markle thing. Yeah. Like it's yeah. There, there's it's still so taboo, and mm -hmm. part of my desire in the piece was to normalize it, but also to sort of see the intersections of my mixedness and my queerness, which are yeah. so combined. Of course. And so, long story short, yeah, it's it's been a <laughs> mammoth. Um, a beast of a project that I'm so grateful. Did you start it in lockdown? No, like, no. No, okay. It was uh, started before that, right? Yeah. yeah I, I started writing it. Um, but, oh my God. It would have been about two years ago. And, mm -hmm. um, and I know you will appreciate this because um, I know you're an actor. I've seen you on <laughs> some things. Which I, um, I've got to say, you're so funny. Um, oh, thank you. <laughs> but I, I went to an audition. I won't say who the casting director was. Okay. You know them. Oh. And I went in the room, 
and you know, I can whip out my English accent when I need to. It mm-hmm. just, for the most part now, I just don't think about it. Um, cause I don't want to right, <laughs> think about how I sound day to day. And this casting directors, I did the scene and she was like, yeah, can you be like more English? Oh. And I was like, Oh my God, are you fucking serious? Like I've had it all said to me now, not black enough, not white enough, not gay enough, not straight enough, not English. Like it was so, yeah, so irritating. And I left that audition going like, I'm not enough for anything. Oh, no. And then this little voice in my head was like, uh, 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 like, don't, mm-hmm. don't fuck it. It's like the good neighbor in the head. Yeah, We have the bad neighbor and the good neighbor. And the yeah. good neighbor was like, no, like you are enough. And that was, you know, one of many seeds that start started this sort of mm-hmm. train of consciousness that I had to follow. Mm-hmm. I just had to write it down. So that was about two years ago. I started that process of, you know, in the film, yeah. I, I talk about not black enough, not white enough. White enough. English, like there's that whole section. And um, yeah, but it's a process like this is very cumulative. Like it, mm-hmm. it's, it's many things that lead to it, but generally the whole, um, you know, I came back from the UK March the 13th, Wow. <laughs> which was very strange traveling that day. Yeah. Um, Just made it back in time. <laughs> literally, I went right into production and then I delivered wow. the film. I, I wanted to get it delivered sooner because of um, what was happening in the States. Yeah. And I was like, you know, out TV, they, they saw, I think, a picture lock in june and they were like oh my god yes definitely like Mm -hmm. we want it i delivered it in july and then it didn't premiere till november which is you know that's the only thing that i'm like i wish it had gotten out a little sooner right but working with broadcasters is so new (laughs) yeah and it's like everyone they're on their own schedule and they're not thinking about the timing of something coming out in terms of like social justice issues in the world and putting it out at the time when maybe it could have been maybe more useful, but at the same time, it's such a like, it's such a gorgeous film. And it is like you were saying, like I hadn't, I personally haven't seen anything like it. Uh, Like the stylization, the subject matter, but it is also like, even like you say, it's not, it wasn't meant for white people, which it's it, obviously it's not. It's for people who are mixed or, but there is that uh, underlying theme of otherness too, which is, which I kind of watching it related to a little bit, that idea of like, especially when you're talking about your queerness and, and all of those things. Um, it, it also was super informative as well. Like it was informative. Like I, I feel like I'd always known that those issues existed obviously like I'm not like <laughs> I'm well versed in you know the world <laughs> but yeah. it's you're like not an ostrich you're not putting, I'm not, I'm not putting my head in the sand I'm 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 <laughs> I'm learning and I'm reading and I'm you know studying and doing all that and you know and I also like studied a lot of stuff like this in in university but it 
it, it was, it's so lovely when you get to see a film like this and you talked about being vulnerable and it is, it's like putting yourself out there and putting your name and like your family and the history of your family in this, in this film. So, it, but also I love that because it makes you feel more connected to the film because you're connected to you. And because you were be able to be so vulnerable watching it, it's like, you ha you can gain a better understanding and like feel with you as you go through the film and the way you uh it's like it's like a theater piece like it, you know what I mean like I don't know if that's what your intention was but it feels like a theater piece it's like or like a, and like an art film and and it's it, I I loved it I loved like all of your choices it was um really interesting too like I loved the scene where you're you're talking about your femininity and that you're not masculine enough. You're not man enough. You're not queer enough. You're not this. And, and you're putting on makeup and it's just, and then there's like all the like boxes of you. It's, it's so, it's so cool. I really liked it. Oh, <laughs> uh, thank you. It's wild. eh? like yeah. the journey of self exploration. And I really mean it in that part of the film where I speak to, we spend so much of our youth as queer people hiding parts mm -hmm. of ourselves to sort yeah. of not conform. I've never, I think queer people, we don't want to conform no. at all, but we do it for self-preservation. Mm -hmm. And in that act of self-preservation, we're denying our fullest existence. Mm -hmm. So later in life, we're sort of going, what part of me is my truest expression? Yeah. And, um, and so that, that for me is something that I realize is so ongoing. Mm -hmm. It is. It's true. Cause I, like, I think about myself and like me coming out and who I was like always trying, like I didn't cut my hair short until I was 30. And I'm, so that was like four years ago, you know, like, and somebody had to be like, just cut your hair. It's always in a ponytail. You want to do it. But because I was like, if I cut my hair, then the world's going to see me as like an incredible masculine person when I'm like, sometimes I like my femininity as well. So it's like trying to find that balance of being true to yourself. But also, yeah, I'm like having in the back of your brain that society is going to also judge you for it and say that, you know, you're you just want to be like men. And you're like, no, that's. I just, I just like the haircut. The style's fun. <laughs> like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, I don't know if you're you. Like, did did that? Did you feel like growing up that you kind like you talked about hiding? But did you feel in the same way? Like, uh, what am I trying to say? That y you, I guess, conform a little bit, but not conform. I, I don't know how to explain what I'm trying. <laughs> No, I know, you know what, what you're, you're, I know what you know you're what I'm asking, right? And, and it's a part <laughs> of me that like, and I do say this in the film, like I never, I, I always wanted to be an anomaly. It was never mm -hmm. about um, conforming, but it's about belonging. Yes. Everyone wants to belong. And that was the key for me of like going as mixed folks, like mm -hmm. we exist as both, but we don't belong to either. Right. Which is so and that's it's, what we want. It's heartbreaking. We want, I want to go, I am white and I'm black. Mm -hmm. And you can't those like the way we're perceived is not as important as what we choose to identify as. Right. And it's so it it's so heartbreaking that 
and I mean, I, obviously I don't understand what the what a life of being mixed is like, but it is so strange to me that communities don't just accept people. Like, I, I, I mean, for me, like, cause, just because I'm like, yeah, you're white and you're black. That's awesome. Like, that's that's great but then to have both communities also be like you're not black enough you're not white enough so what are you is so strange to me do you think now i feel like we see a lot more rixed uh, mixed race like couples and families and things it's do you feel like it's becoming a little bit more less stigmatized and a little bit more accepted i mean the royal family aside <laughs> Yeah, the royal family side. Um, it's funny. I think it's um, like everything in this world, it's cyclical. Mm -hmm. So it's like, I think it's never, I don't want to say it's never going to be normal. I hope it's very just a non-issue. Yeah. Um, but I'm realizing I know this is not answering the question at all, but I'm, know, I'm seeing, I see, have, I've seen patterns mm -hmm. in my own life that I think we're just, until we can sort of step out of the whirlpool that we're in as a society and start on a right. new trajectory, yeah. like, I don't think it's going to change until people step out and try and change it. Try, yeah, try to change it themselves. I know it. Yeah, I like that imagery of a whirlpool that we're just in this like <laughs> continuous circle of a like fucking society and life, and the same people are the ones running the whirlpool and which way it turns, and people want off, but they won't let us. <laughs> like, right? It's, it's, whirlpools like whirlpool or like merry-go-round. Scary, but they're yeah. I'm, I'm going to stick with that analogy for now. Okay. I like it. No, I like it. It's good. It's true. It's a, I feel like our, our world right now is in a place of, um, there's a lot more acknowledgement from people who maybe didn't acknowledge before because we're seeing it more like the, with, uh, with, um, like social media and uh, all of those things we're now being able to open our eyes and actually visually see things happening as opposed to like being told something is happening but there is a difference when you see it as opposed to hearing about it because when you see it you go oh fuck that's real like that's a real thing that's happening to people and that needs to stop <laughs> and I, mm. I, I would hope and maybe my optimism is that more people seeing it the more people believing that it's truly happening because they're seeing it will actually like step up and do something about it. But mm -hmm. people always still want their power and their money and their privilege. And it, 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 I, I, the pessimist in me is like, that will never change. It will always be there. There will always be people who think they're more privileged than the rest. And, uh, and unfortunately that's just the way it is. We got to get, we got to, burn down all the walls and get them out of here, you know? <laughs> yeah, there was an incredible um, installation. I think it was in Central Park in New York. Mm -hmm. And it was in the Central Park Zoo. And it was, a, you know, a, a cage that said, this is the most dangerous predator in the world. And it was a mirror. Oh. <laughs> and, um, and I just sort Whoa. of went, ooh, black mirror. <laughs> but, um, <laughs> Which, but it's true that we are as humans one of the most um, 
dangerous mm-hmm. species. And we're also one of the most beautiful. Like that's yeah. the, that's the duality of life. Yeah, yeah complex. We, um, and we all live within all of them. Mm-hmm. I, yeah. I, I'm, and that's really, I think, one of many sort of themes of this piece is I want to be allowed to live in that, mm-hmm. in the between. Of course, yeah. And that's your, you know, like you should be able to. And that's yeah. why the film is is so wonderful. I'm I'm very excited for lots of people to see it. You said that you were going to be at Stratford? Yeah. You're an, act, you're an actor, you're a photographer, you design, uh, you know, I, I feel like you're, like I, told, I was ta- saying to you earlier, like a multidisciplinary artist, which I love. Um, have you been doing theater like your whole life? Yeah, so I started when I was about five um, yeah. in the UK doing musical theater. And then, you know, I thought you had to be a, to be a classical actor, you had to go train. So I did. <laughs> yeah. And, um, and then it was in fourth year that I did film class um, and the film teacher was like, why aren't you in the film program? Mm-hmm. You're really good. And I went, oh, well, I'm in fourth year. Like, yeah. I, I don't really want to change my degree now. Um, and But it's interesting in some ways, and this has happened for many of my friends as well. Like, because mm-hmm. um, I had an offer also to go to Emily Carr in Vancouver okay, to wow. study art. And I didn't take it because someone said, don't go. I, I hated, it ruined my love of it. Oh. And I don't want to say theater school ruined my love of acting. It didn't. Mm-hmm. I, I'm, there's so many benefits to it, but it got me in my head. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and, and in some ways I'm not in my head about the photography and the filmmaking and the, like, mm-hmm. it's so, it comes so naturally to me. Yeah. Um, that I sort of started leaning on those skills a bit more when mm-hmm. um, when I went to the Shaw right after school. I went to the Shaw Festival of Canada yes. as an actor, and I was <laughs> an back, which I was oh. gutted at the time. Yeah, but course. it was a bit of a blessing in disguise because I got to sort of lean on these other worlds. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, so I went back two years later to the Shaw as a designer, as a video designer. Oh, cool. And then have been wor- I've been doing projection and video design since 2017. Wow. And um, have worked, you know, in Quebec and mm-hmm. um, Nova Scotia. And um, yeah, and, and it's been yeah. really, I love it because it's blending of, it's blending worlds. For yeah, me. it's bringing everything you like all together. And yeah, I love yeah. that. You, you can tell too, like, I'll come back to the film again. But did you edit the film? I wanted to know if it was it you. Yeah. <laughs> I was yeah. like, he must have edited the film because it's like, it's like such a specific style. It was very well done. Like that's oh, a, super, super impressive. Um, uh, to do that as well. And like, also in- I love the inclusion of, um, I'm like a huge film. I love film. I love, uh, I'm like, I feel like we're very similar in that aspect. Like I love, I almost went to film school. I studied at Mount Allison university. And in my first year, I just, cause I thought I was going to be a teacher. I was like, I'll just be a drama teacher. Cause I'll, I'll never make it as an actor or do any of that. So I was like studying English and hated it. <laughs> 
it ruined my love of reading, like ruined it. And so I was like doing terrible in my first year. And I was like, I want to be a filmmaker. Like I wanted to be Steven Spielberg. I wanted to have that. And I was going to go to film school, but then decided not to and stayed, which I was happy about because after that I met a dear friend of mine who like got me involved with improv and I started doing like all the musical theater at Mount Allison and that was really lovely and, and I kind of got to enjoy myself a little bit. Um, but I love film like still to this day, like I love editing is like my favorite, but it is like that artistic eye, right? Like I feel like you have to have which is why it applies probably to your photography as well as your um, uh, projections because you need that. I don't know. I feel like certain people just have a gift to be able to visualize something and put it in, in to like put it together in a way that is uh, like telling a story. So yeah, I, I love it as well. I feel like you and I are very similar in that way, which is, is cool. Cause there were so many cool elements uh, like editing, also adding like the like old clips of like old film movies to like tell the narrative of the story as well was super. I just, I just loved it. I, I, I sometimes gush on this show. I don't mean to, <laughs> my girlfriend says stop um, gushing against people. And I'm like, I know I can't help it. <laughs> I appreciate it. And it's funny, like, with editing, like, the things that don't make it in. Yeah. I, like, I had this whole section, um, which I'm saving for another project, actually. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I realized it was not it was not right for this piece. Right. Um, but I had this whole section where I was using um, projections on my body. Okay, cool. Um, and this idea of... Um, forms within forms, you know, mm -hmm. like a film of projections on a body where right. a film is on the body. Like okay. I, I love that idea yeah. of the, the ricochet effect that you can mm -hmm. see in when you use like in live theater, I'll use projections on a surface or mm -hmm. looking at someone and you see the multiplicity of them. Yeah, 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 yeah. So that I'm saving that for okay. um, a couple of projects that are on the horizon. Oh, fun. That's amazing. Yeah. I love that. That's cool. I like, I like, I also love like different, like things you don't see very often in, in, in film or in theater and projections are awesome. I like, I feel like I always want projections in a theater piece if I create something. So I'll be coming. Some to people you. don't. Some, Some people, people don't. don't. I know, it, but it depends on the projection and how it's like, how it's included in the, in the story or in the set piece. Like, like I remember going to see <laughs> Anne of Green Gables on, in Charlottetown yes. and they changed, they used to have the set. The set was the same from the seventies. And then all of a sudden they changed it to include projections. So I was like, okay, that's cool. But the projections were like, just scenery and I was like I that's not like I like I love this show but I was like the old set pieces were cool if you're gonna include like projections like at least make them interesting because it just felt like TVs with uh with yeah. um like landscapes that I was like we don't we I don't need that I I want some like project something cool like make it really different yeah from, there's, there's from something what it was I sort of resent that if I come into a process and people go, can you make a location? I'm like, that is not what I use projection for at all. And yeah. I'm in no way comparing myself to um, 
this artist because he's incredible. I'd love to be where he is at some point in my life, but Ivo von Hove, mm -hmm. um, an incredible, incredible director, um, did West Side Story right before the lockdown happened. Look it up okay. if, if you're um, interested. And he used the projections to amplify um, and, and, and zoom in on characters' faces. Oh, I so love that. See, like the jets and the um, sharks, I think they are. Yeah. And yep. literally it's them on stage. And then behind them is their faces magnified. Ooh, that's, see, that's it's, fun. It's just so, it's such a beautiful way of, you know, entering the dramaturgy of a piece. Mm -hmm. And um, and so when people go, oh, can we make a bus stop? I sort of go. No, no, thank you. <laughs> we, we can, we, like, no, just put a sign that says bus stop. There you go. Yeah. Like, <laughs> that's fine. I yeah. like that. I was talking to my friend the other day and we were talking about how film... With film, it's like so easy to be able to tell how a character is feeling just by like like honing in on their face and on their eyes and on their expression. Where like theater, it's hard to do that because you're so far away. So that's why I love that idea in West Side Story of like projecting the characters because it gives you this extra... Oh, extra way of of explaining how a character is feeling without having to like really like show it too much because sometimes in theater you're like, okay, they're upset. I get it. <laughs> I don't. We don't need a whole like <laughs> full scene about it. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like sometimes it's like ah. But I mean that's why they're two different art like art forms, I guess. But yeah, and but they're interwoven so mm -hmm. so deeply as well, and it's. Yeah interesting everything you're saying because I find that nowadays my, my problem with both art forms is people trying to rationalize metaphor mm. yeah like the, the, the act of ambiguity or mm -hmm. anything obscure like people always want to rationalize yeah and it's like and just I let go, it be let it just live Yes, and, and, and when people go, you know, what what was what did that mean? I go, what did it mean to you? That's more important to me, and it's yeah. not a way of deflecting because I have there's so many choices why I use images the way I do. Mm -hmm. But my my biggest thing is like when people, and not many people have done that with this film, mm -hmm. but if, if they do and they go, why did you do that? I, I it's it's often my go-to answer is well what did it mean to you because that's art that's interpretation that's yeah you know I don't want to explain everything to you mm -hmm. it's so fun because interesting because the more I learn about like narrative and like storytelling which I love but sometimes I'm like we're we're always expecting a narrative now in like any kind of piece like film or theater and I remember when I was younger, I saw, I forget what show I saw. It might've been the last ship or something. And it ended in a way that I was like, Oh, I actually really like the ending because it leaves it open to interpretation. Like there wasn't like a clear cut, happy, we know what's going to happen ending. It was just kind of left. And I loved that. Cause I was like, Oh, that it was done in a way that I wasn't like, ah, what the fuck's going to happen? Like it wasn't like a cliffhanger or anything, but it was, it was done in a way that I was, 
I really enjoyed because it left it up to me to decide kind of what I thought could happen. And I know mm-hmm. a lot of people didn't like that, uh, that that was how it ended. It rational and they want it to be explained. And yeah, they so- want everything wrapped up so that like, it's like our brains are, have been told since we were babies that there is a narrative and like there's a narrative to our life and like we that's how it works but in reality it there isn't like because no one can really know what the narrative of something is so it's just like moments in our lives that happen so i don't know yeah i i like i really sometimes i i feel like as a like a younger theater lover i didn't like ambiguity because it it was too hard to understand because I didn't understand it. I didn't understand that I could interpret it how I wanted, but now as an adult, I like really like that and really enjoy it because it's different. And it's like, yeah, I like the idea of not knowing how this story ends or how, or where we, how we move forward with this. Like it's, uh, it's up to the universe. We don't know. I don't know. (laughs) I don't know what's going to happen in life. I'm not a psychic. Oh, I do. Just kidding. You do? Oh my gosh. Are you psychic? (laughs) I wish. I know. Have you ever been to a psychic? Oh God, no. I'm afraid. (laughs) Really? Yeah. I'm sort of afraid that I'd go and she'd say, you're going to die tomorrow. Like it's. Yeah, that's a bit. You know. But I guess that could happen at the doctor. Yeah. (laughs) True. I, um, I've had my tarot cards read. Mm Mm-hmm. To me, which was interesting because they were so wrong. Yeah. Because like, also like tarot cards are like very much also up to like your your own interpretation of what it means. Yeah. Like I feel like with tarot cards and things, you can kind of anything you want to see, you'll see it. Like mm-hmm. if you're having trouble with like somebody like in a relationship or something, you'll find that in that tarot card. <laughs> you'll find the meaning. Although I really want to go to like a, a like a medium or like a psychic who like but like a real one somebody who like lives in the woods and like <laughs> <laughs> like you're like this has to be real this has to be <laughs> like for sure like true and like she th- she knows what's up or like Lil- I talk about Lilydale a lot which is in New York which is a like it's not a commune, but like in the 1800s, mediums were like run out of town basically because they were mm. thought to be like witches or whatever. And they all congregated in this one place called Lilydale. So it's wow. still there. And it's all these mediums who live on these streets, like like a little small town. And you can go and you can stay and you can visit. And apparently if you walk down the street, a medium will just come out and be like, I need to talk to you. Wow. I'm totally looking this up later. You have to. I think there's a documentary about it, but it's wow. um, it's really it's only like a three hour drive from Toronto too in New York. So wow. someday we will all go. <laughs> <laughs> oh man! Um, how uh, <laughs> when when you were making the film, like because you talk a lot about your family as well in it, did you? Um, did, did were you, was your family i guess you're closer with your mom it seems in terms of like for, well, that's what i got from the film anyway in terms of like it's funny i'm i i've always i've been close to both actually but i okay. think naturally and i can't speak for every male but i think a, a queer 
man, the, the a relationship with with your father is it's different, mm-hmm. and it's sort of even more profound when it's uh, when you're a person of color. And it's right. with your dad, like there's just a natural sort of tension there, which mm-hmm. I'm you know part of the film was trying to iron out that tension and right. and bridge something, mm-hmm. which you know is, again is ongoing. Of course, of course. It's going to take time and stuff. Of course. But this was, you know, I guess in the simplest way to say it, it was, um, I've I've often called it like a love letter to my dad and love letters Mm -hmm. are very like that, you know, there, there's, um, there's, there there are things that are unresolved and things Mm -hmm. that need healing and outbursts of affection like there's so much in that of course and and i really mean that like it's it is a love letter to him Mm -hmm. and it's a it's a gesture of can you meet me halfway Mm -hmm. have they seen the film yes has your family seen it yeah Yeah, yeah. or or, i mean you don't have to answer but like how did they love it (laughs) or it's it's so interesting because again generationally my sisters Mm -hmm. my eldest watched it um and she phoned me in tears going oh my god this is the best thing i've ever seen like she she was inconsolable (laughs) oh um which was i meant a lot and then my other sister you know um was she's still trying to understand it Mm mm-hmm and and it's interesting because she's I we're all on such distinct journeys of what it means to be mixed that mm-hmm. I understand her being like, oh my god, this is the fourth time I've watched it and I still get lost in this section. What are you talking about here? Right. And I go, you know, you yeah, like, you're. She'll come to understand it when she does. Yeah, of course. Yeah. And um, but in terms of my parents, it's funny. I. My dad doesn't really talk to me about it, mm-hmm. which I just went the the when they did watch it, I just said, "Talk to me when you're ready." Yeah, and they haven't talked to me about it, so like maybe they're not right. ready yet because yeah. it's part of the form of documentary which I was very cognizant of mm-hmm. um, in my research beforehand and the sort of people that helped craft the piece. Mm-hmm. Is there, it's when you're doing a piece about that's so personal like this, right? Like Eugene O'Neill, I believe it was said, he, he said, you can't write about your family until they're dead. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, and so he actually, I think it was Eugene O'Neill. I'm pretty sure it was. Um, yeah. He said he sat on his own work until they had passed because you're immortalizing people. Mm-hmm. But the the biggest part about documentary, which I find so interesting, is there's a school of thought around this idea that the narrator is unreliable. Mm-hmm. Um, not a liar necessarily, no, but no. they're unreliable. It's my truth, but I'm not like I I'm yeah. immortalizing my parents in a mm-hmm. way. They're not, they're not interviewed in it. Yeah. Yeah, and I did that for a reason. Yeah, right. Well, Partly it, because, I think you know, I did say, you know, Dad, do you want to be in this? And he said, No. Hmm. 
Yeah. So and I mean, and that's, um, you know, that's fair. Like you said, generally, generationally, it's a different, you know, our, our parents experienced so many different things than we do. And it, uh, I forget who said this to me the other day, but it was like, you genuinely will never actually truly know a person in your life. Like you actually won't know them a hundred percent. Even if you're like the closest to them and they're your partner or your family, you just will never like, I feel like I'm constantly learning things about my mom and her life or like my dad and his life that I didn't know about because right. when you're young, they don't want to tell you things, but when they're, you know, they're a bit older, they, they get a little bit more like open and, you know, yeah. you learn things that you're like, I had no idea. And then you go, Oh, that explains so much about who you are. Yeah. Um, and so, in, so it's so interesting, but it is, I think your film very much is a love letter. I think to your, to your father, it's, it's beautifully done. And, um, I'm I'm very very excited for everyone to get to see it and experience it. Um, I, I like I really want to watch it again because it was like you know when you watch something for the first time like I felt like I was really into the visuals too that I was like wow this is cool and then and then I had to like rewind a few times to be like oh you gotta listen Trish <laughs> to what's being said. <laughs> and it's, yeah, it's yeah. it's funny. Like um, I I got. So someone that watched it was like, oh my God, this is like, I'm not your Negro. And I was like, whoa, oh my God, thank you. <laughs> um, but I understood why the there was a correlation between the two. Mm-hmm. Because that idea of, you know, one conscious stream of thought, mm-hmm. it's, it's hypnotizing. Yeah. And, 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 um, but there's also a trap in that of, <laughs> And it's partly why after the first sort of edit of the film was done, I was like, I've got to change this music because I wasn't listening to what I was saying. I was listening to the music. And so the the balance of visual music and narration, Mm -hmm. like it's such a delicate process. Yeah, of course. And there were such key moments too, where you took the music out completely. That was really cool that I was like, oh yeah, because now... like those moments where you clearly really wanted us to focus on the action was really also well-placed. It was, yeah, it was, it was good. The music's great. Yeah. It's like spoken word meets like art film meets documentary. It meets like, I don't know, like personal tale. It's very, yeah, it's very cool. I'm trying to define it. I I won't define it. I won't. I can't, I can't define it. Did you see, did you hear how many things I called it? It's undefinable. <laughs> oh my goodness. Uh, Howie, on the show, we do uh, a lightning round question period at the end. Do, oh, do you want to do that? Okay, cool. Sure. Oh, all right. All right. I ask this question every week. What's your biggest party fail? What do you mean? Like where you failed at a party, like you, like something horribly oh, wrong no. or you did okay. something that's embarrassing. <laughs> I went um, to a Halloween party dressed as the Mask of Zorro and the pants ripped. Oh, no. <laughs> but where did they rip? Oh, like, right, it, where you don't want them to. Where you don't want them <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, that sucks, because then you're in those pants all night. <laughs> yep. <laughs> Amazing. If you could travel anywhere in the world right now, where would you travel? Rome. Rome? Why Rome? I love it. I. It, it's the first place... I was where I knew I wanted to marry my husband. 
Oh, that's nice. That's sweet. Uh, <laughs> if you if you could only listen to one album for the rest of your life, what album would it be? It's a hard question, I know. Oh, I don't really listen. It's weird. I don't really listen to albums. Um, okay. I'm going to say Lord of the Rings, the soundtrack. Lord of the Rings. I love that. That's a great soundtrack. Beautiful score. Um, okay, it's it's uh, it's like cocktail hour. What's your go to drink? Do you not I drink? drink? That's okay. But if I what's did, your, I have to like, have a cider. A cider. Okay. Well, I was gonna say, what's your like mocktail? Would you choose a mocktail of any kind? No. That's fair. I love it that you're not boring at all. Stop this. Okay. And last question. Okay. So the party's just ended. Everybody's had a nice time. Everybody's heading home. How do you want to be remembered at the party? Oh, the person that didn't eat everything. Okay, I love that. Person who's not constantly at the like food table. <laughs> That's really funny. <laughs> I love it. I love it so so much. Howie, this has been so wonderful. Where can people find the film? Where can they find you online? So you can go to www.mixedup.ca. Um the film premieres actually. I don't know when this is going up, but the film This is going up this week on tomorrow. So so the film will be available on Apple TV, Amazon Prime, Out TV, um, if you're in New Zealand, TV New Zealand. Um, and it's going to be in the UK on Fruit TV, April the 2nd. Oh, amazing. That's so soon. That's yeah. next week, right? And yeah. Then you, can, you can find me at howie.ca. Amazing. Well, everyone, go watch the film when it comes out April 2nd. You will not regret it. It was so wonderful uh, to chat with you, Howie, and get to actually finally meet you. I hope our pa- our paths cross again soon. Thank yes, you for doing please. this, and we'll see you soon. Bye. Howie, everyone. Oh, my goodness. What a true delight. That was such a lovely conversation. It was so lovely to finally meet them over Zoom, kind of in person. Uh, please go check out their film Mixed Up, available April 2nd on uh, uh, Apple TV, Prime, Out TV. Go watch it. It is wonderful. Follow them on all the Instagrams at Mixed Up Online, as well as uh, Howie, H-A-U-I dot C-A. Please, please, they're an incredible artists, and they will be... Uh, I think very famous someday. So also make sure to follow me on the socials on Instagram and Twitter at it's underscore Trisha Black. Uh, Doing lots of fun stuff on there, I guess. Who knows? I'm getting into Twitter. Uh, (laughs) You can also uh, check out the podcast on Instagram at One More Round Podcast or on Twitter at The One More Round. Follow the Sonar Network and all of the podcasts that they have lined up. And also, don't forget to subscribe. If you're loving the podcast, hit that subscribe button or leave us a rating and a review. That's really how people know um, to listen in and tune into the podcast. So if you like it, let your friends know. If you hate it, tell your enemies, please. Uh, I would love it and appreciate it. I appreciate you listening. We'll be back in two weeks with an all-new episode. Uh, featuring my dear friend Kirsten Rasmussen, an incredible actor, improviser, 
director. Uh, looking forward to that. So make sure you tune in in two weeks. And of course, no East Coast kitchen party is ever complete without a song to say goodnight. Uh, so here's one for you now. We'll see you in a couple weeks. Mwah! I like the color of my hair I've got a friend who loves me I've got a house, I've got a car I've got a good mother And a voice is what keeps me here Feet on ground, heart in hand Facing forward, be a Party.